Welcome to the Real Time Roots Podcast. I'm your host, Christy L, and this is my co-host, Sarah. Hello, everyone. At Joyfully, we help you grow your own food and remedies so that you can create health and wellness for your family naturally. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of the most used medicinal plants in the entire world. That's elderberries. So what is an elderberry and why is that important? Elderberries grow wild all over North America and Europe. The elder tree, in fact, was held as a sacred tree in Druidism and in many of the European cultural traditions. It is really easy to forage your own, or if you aren't in the mood to learn how to forage elderberries, you can purchase them at many places, including at the pharmacy already made into elderberry syrup or gummies, or you can purchase the dried elderberries and make your own. Sarah, what do you think about elderberries? Well, they're definitely a obvious bush or small tree, as the case may be. They are very easy to identify. The flowers are amazing in spring. A lot of people grow them for the decorative flowers and for the wide umbral fruit clusters. In the autumn, often elderberry bushes will retain berries on the stem quite a bit into winter, providing food for native bird populations. So even if you're not using elderberry for food or medicine, it can be a very valuable plant if you are trying to encourage your local wildlife. Pollinators love the flowers. They have this beautiful vanilla scent and you can smell the vanilla scented flowers for like far away from the plant. Like you could just use your nose to find it. It's so beautiful. I love going into the garden where the elderberries are blooming. It's also one of the highest antioxidant herbs. It's very high in anthracinins, which is the purple color that you'll find. Um, And actually, we should say that there are many kinds of elderberries. There are the deep purple, but there's also where we live in Western Canada, there is a blue elderberry that has kind of a white blush. And those are really prime elderberries to forage for. Um, And then there's also on the coast, a red elderberry that was used by First Nations people for um, immune boosting. The red elderberry has more pyramid-shaped flowers versus the flat flower clusters. Elderberries are also very high in quercetin. You may have heard of quercetin as something that you should take if you have a cold or the flu. And quercetin is an antioxidant that is very rich in elderberries. Elderberries are also antiviral. Um, They're high in zinc. They're anti-inflammatory. And usually, traditionally, they've been used in wine, in juice, in making syrup, in making teas. Elderberries are a food after all. If you've ever heard that black currant tea is good for a cold, if you read the ingredient list on most commercial black currant teas, they actually contain elderberry berries. As well as black currant? As well as black currant. Cool. So they actually contain two very high antioxidant fruits, which is actually rather rare for a commercial tea. I didn't know that. That's really cool. The one thing about elderberries is because they're a food, if you're taking the actual fruit, you can't overdose on it. But we do recommend that you use it as a cooked fruit rather than a raw fruit. And there's a reason for that. Elderberry is one of our most used medicinal plants worldwide, and it has a very long history of use 
as a food, first and foremost, and then secondary in medicinal styles. And the reason it's so commonly used in things like tea or wine or syrup is because the fermentation or the heat processing is what helps make elderberry 100% safe to consume. Because elderberry has an elephant in the room. And that is the presence of cyanide in the leaves and stems and seeds. So cyanide occurs in elderberries as a glucose molecule. It's a, a cyanogenic glucoside. Um, it's called amygdalin, which is also sometimes called vitamin B17. Cyanide can make you nauseated. It can make you vomit. If you take too much of it, and it's too much for your body. So a younger person or an elderly person might have more of a reaction to the cyanide. Now, cyanide occurs if you're taking the raw berries. Um, so if you were to have raw pressed elderberry juice and you were to drink a lot of it, you could start to feel nauseated from the cyanide. Your body, though, um, doesn't build up cyanide. It actually will clear it out with your liver. So if your liver is working well, it's not really a concern. The cyanide, though, evaporates. You don't even have to boil to evaporate the cyanide. Now, the amygdalin, which is the cyanogenic glycoside or B17, that actually evaporates at a higher temperature than cyanide itself. So if you bring your syrup to a boil, you're just fine and you will have gotten rid of any toxins that might be in the juice or the syrup. And then you can make delicious elderberry jello shots and serve them for dessert. And the recipe for that is going to be in the show notes. So Let's talk a bit about amygdalin or B17. It's known for its immune defense properties. So it actually supports the immune system so that the immune system can fight any bacteria or viruses, even abnormal cells that might be growing in your body. So it's an immune boost, but you don't need a lot of it. You only need a very small amount to have a really strong effect. Studies have shown that B17 may help boost immunity by slowing down the spread of illnesses through the body and also killing harmful cells. Amygdalin is also found in the seeds of apricots and in apple seeds. And in fact, you can tell that it's present because you will taste an almond type flavor, almond, something similar to almonds. So you may have noticed, um, like it's also in cherry seeds, you may have noticed if you ever crack a cherry seed or if you have had preserved cherries that are preserved with the seed, there's a slight almond flavor and that is the amygdalin. So technically wild almonds would also be quite high in it, which is why they, well, when they domesticated almonds, they domesticated them to have less. That's right. That's right. Because otherwise you would have to cook the almonds to be able to consume them safely. That's right. And um, also like if you bite into an apple seed, you're getting some amygdalin too, which is why when you eat apples, you should eat the seed, but you shouldn't sit there and just eat apple seeds. They're safe if consumed with the fruit, not so safe if you're just eating the seeds. Because you'll eat a lot more seeds on their own than if you are just eating the seeds from the fruit that you actually consume. So currently, back to elderberries, 
Elderberries represent one of the most used medicinal plants worldwide, as Sarah said. In folk medicine, elderberry is used in the treatment of many diseases and ailments. It's antioxidant, it's anti-carcinogenic, it's immune-boosting, it's anti-allergenic, which means it helps with, you know, sinus allergies and things like that. It's antiviral, antibacterial, it's also antidepressant, and it has some hypoglycemic properties, as well as the ability to reduce body fat, and to help with blood lipid concentrations or the amount of fat in your blood. That's pretty cool. It sounds like we need some more elderberry in our lives. So where can you get elderberries? Well, you can get them at the drugstore. There were a lot of people when when the big nasty first hit, they went to the store and bought elderberry gummies, elderberry syrup, elderberry lozenges, and because it was high in zinc and high in quercetin, it was very effective for helping people cope with the big nasty at home. And because elderberry stops viruses from replicating. That's right. There was some talk uh, when the big nasty first hit that elderberry was dangerous and you shouldn't take elderberries. In fact, there was a lot of myths circulating about elderberries when the big nasty first hit. And it turned out that a lot of those were just that myths because elderberry was effective in stopping colds and flus and other viruses from replicating in the body. And it didn't increase any kind of cytokine reaction. In fact, in most cases, it calmed it down. But that was if people took the whole fruit. So elderberry syrup, elderberry juice, um, not any kind of extract that took parts of the elderberry. It's very important to consume when you, whenever you're doing herbs to consume the whole herb and not some kind of extract. Or at least the whole fruit. So I'm growing elderberries. Um, I'm growing a variety called Adams. And it's... It seems in my climate, because I'm fairly cold, that it takes um, several weeks to actually mature the fruit. So I don't always get mature fruit. So often what I'll do is I'll harvest the flowers and and I won't go for the fruit. And I have actually two plantings. One I I only harvest flowers from and the other one I I wait for the berries hoping for a harvest. You want to wait till the berries are very dark and purple. You don't want to get kind of rusty red berries. You want them to be very dark and purple because at that point, they have the least amount of cyanide and the most active ingredients. Antioxidants. Antioxidants. The darker the berries are, the more anthracyanins there are in the berries. And also the more flavor, more flavorful. They will have lots of sugar and they'll taste really good. So if you get them and you can find them, there's several ways to preserve them. One is some studies found recently that they're fairly low in acid and to can them with a boiling water bath, they need to be lower than a 4.6 pH and they would be called low acid. Well, what they found is that some elderberries that were grown in elderberry plantations where they're liming the soil had um, a higher pH or were right on the border. And so we want to add some citric acid to that, just like you would if you were canning tomatoes. And that is a quarter teaspoon of citric acid per pint jar. If you're just canning elderberry juice, you can also ferment the elderberry, in which case you don't have to worry about that. It's only if you're canning it that you need to lower the pH. You can find elderberries simply by driving around on logging roads through uh, Crown Land or getting permission from a farmer who has 
wilderness land to check on their property for elderberry bushes. Elderberries like slightly damp soil. They're often in small ravines close to roads or close to areas where clear cuts have happened. They'll grow up in clear cut areas and then die back as other trees grow up. So if you look for an area with disturbed soil like skitter trails, logging trails, you can often find wild elderberries growing in your locality. And if you want to grow it yourself, if you can find a wild elderberry, taste the berries first to make sure you like the flavor before you um, try to propagate. But then if you take a cutting from the tree, you'll find the elderberry has a hollow stem. If you take a cutting of the new growth and just stick it in the ground like you would a willow stick, those will root and create new bushes. In fact, that's how a lot of elderberries happen along a river. There'll be um, wind will break the branches, they'll fall in a creek, and then they'll float down the river and root themselves into the banks. You can also get decorative elderberry bushes from, um, say, a nursery, plant nursery, and those ones may have more of a tree-like growth, especially if they're imported from Europe, versus our Native American wild elders that have more of a bush-type growth with the very hollow stems. A lot of the European elders are actually proper, uh, semi-proper trees. I know one property locally to me that has a 20-foot-tall elder, elder tree that has dinner plate size, flowers, and fruit clusters. Wow. And you're sure it's a European elderberry? I'm pretty sure it's a European elderberry. It has a little bit, slightly different leaf, slightly different growth pattern. It does not have the like tube-like hollow branches coming up from the base like they do, the native ones do. But I'm pretty sure it was also trimmed and properly pruned and maintained to grow into the tree that it became. But it is an amazing local elderbush. Well, tree. So other ways to preserve it, you can also dry the elderberries. And when you dry them, you can then use them in tea or you can rehydrate them, use them in desserts, pies. You can add them to things like pancakes um, or you can make desserts from them or you can make elderberry syrup. You can also, um, I think I mentioned, we, you can ferment them in mead or wine. If you are ready to start on your herbal journey to get to know herbs and make your own medicine, I've got the perfect next step for you. My membership, the DIY Herb of the Month Club, will help you get to know your herbal allies by studying one herb at a time. And we make a game of it. You will go on a 30-day journey with an assignment to do every day that will only take you 10 or 15 minutes. You'll go on a monthly quest to build your confidence so that you can learn to rely on your herbal allies. You'll invest just 5 to 15 minutes a day of hands-on guided exercises to gain knowledge of each month's herbal ally. You'll also learn how to grow, forage, or find each month's herb. You'll study the historical context of the medicinal and or culinary uses of each herb. You'll create a personal Materia Medica for long-term reference. You'll also study the modern scientific studies and evaluate their methodology and conclusions. And you'll engage your senses both logically and intuitively to get to know each herb really, really well so that you can use it confidently. So stir up some recipes with me and start using your new herbal allies for focused hands-on learning inside the DIY Herb of the Month Club. So I hope you'll decide to join me. The link is in the show notes.
Now, how would you take elderberry if you had a cold or flu? How do you take it, Sarah? Well, if I'm taking the syrup, I'm taking it by the teaspoonful about every two hours when I know for sure that I'm not feeling well. And once I start feeling better, I usually shift it to about every four hours. And then I'll shift it out to after two or three days of that to every six to eight hours. And then just twice a day once I think I'm over it. And I'll keep doing the twice a day for another week. So you take it early, often, and after? Yep. I also do give uh, child-safe elderberry syrup to my little one. What makes it child-safe? Well, I had to get a child-safe one when she was under one because I couldn't give her one that contained honey or alcohol. So I actually had to buy commercial elderberry syrup when she got ill. But now I would just make my normal elderberry syrup with honey, not the shelf-stable one that contains alcohol. I would just make a standard elderberry syrup with honey, and I would give it to her to take same as us adults take it, but probably teaspoonful instead of tablespoonful. So what Sarah mentioned about taking um, elderberry early, often, and after, that's pretty standard for any kind of herbal remedy. Generally, we want to take any kind of herbal remedy at the first sign that we might need it. So if it's something for colds and flu, sore throat, sneezing, starting to get the sniffles, that's when you start taking it. And you want to take it then often, as in every two hours. And the reason for that is that our livers will process and uh, remove from the body any kind of food that we take. Very quickly, it's digested, moves into our bloodstream, and then is excreted by the liver. And so, or filtered by the liver, I should say. And so we want to take it often to make sure that we have enough of the molecules from the herbs in our bloodstream to actually have a positive effect. And then once the symptoms start to abate, we, we want to keep taking it because those antioxidants are the building blocks that our body uses to heal our cells. And so we want to take it for at least 48 hours or two more days after all symptoms have disappeared, just to make sure that our bodies have the building blocks to heal our body because our bodies naturally heal themselves. And the herbs that we take just offer the body the nutrients and building blocks to make that healing happen. One other thing I like keeping elderberry gummies on hand for the overnight dosing because I can grab one or two gummies whenever I wake up during the night when I'm not feeling well without having to mess with the spoon and the jar and the sticky stuff in the bedroom. And so that is a commercial preparation that you're taking, is that right? Yes, I am taking, yeah. The elderberry gummies are a commercial preparation, though technically you could also make your own. I use the commercial elderberry as well. And that's something that anybody can find at the drugstore. Just go to the section that has colds and flu remedies and you'll find elderberry gummies. And they make them for children. They make them for adults. They may they may even call them um, immune gummies. Or Sembucol. Yep, that's one of the commercial names, but there's that is actually a trademark name. And there's also other companies that make similar things. And there's no problem with using commercial preparations, especially if maybe you don't have time to do something finicky like make your own gummies. That's right. Um, If you do decide to make your own gummies, I believe that there is going to be a link in the show notes. They need to be refrigerated. So only make enough that you can use them up within five days. They don't last a long time in the fridge because they're very high in moisture and they're very high in protein. They're not shelf stable, in other words. But they are also very tasty. 
Absolutely. And you could freeze them for if you needed longer shelf life. Yes, you could definitely do that. Anything that I miss, Sarah, talking about elderberries. Elderberries are one of our favorite remedies. And, and an easy one, if you have never done remedies before, an easy one to start making yourself. I think we pretty much covered in everything, except I'm going to make sure we get the um, elderberry recipes round up into the show notes, because that's 40-odd recipes that use elderberry as a food. That's great. So we always like to leave you with a positive action. And today we want to make it really easy for you to make your own elderberry syrup. So what you're going to need is a half a cup of dried elderberries, two cups of water, and you're going to simmer it, basically make a really strong elderberry tea with that half a cup of elderberries and two cups of water. Simmer it for about 30 minutes to get all of the goodness out of those berries. Then you want to strain the berries out of the liquid and retain the liquid. Then we're going to add a half a cup of honey to that and just stir it together. While it's hot. While it's hot. Um, not too hot. We don't want it boiling. So you're going to remove it from the heat and then stir in the honey. Let it cool a little bit, when, then strain out the elderberries. And then while the liquid's still hot, you want to stir in the honey so it dissolves. Absolutely. And then I just pour it into a clean glass jar. It could be a canning jar, but it could also be a recycled jar that you have. You're, you're going to get about um, one and a half cups of syrup plus the honey. So you're going to get about two cups of syrup altogether. And then when you use it, if you're an adult, you're going to use one tablespoon of that every two hours. If it's for a child, you're going to use one teaspoon. And if the child is under two, just a half a teaspoon at a time. And we're also going to put in the show notes a recipe, this recipe, a link to it so that you can find it again, because I know we talked fast and it might have been hard to catch. So check out the show notes for more fun ideas for elderberry. And we've today been talking about elderberry, why it's important, why it's our favorite remedy, and how easy it is for you to either forage it or find it in commerce and use it. Definitely an important thing before cold and flu season. So please give elderberry a try. And thanks for listening. Is there anything else you wanted to say, Sarah? Make sure you check the show notes for the recipe for elderberry syrup. Or if you want the recipe for gelatin shots, you can find that in the show notes too. So thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. And bye for now. Bye.